because I think it's fascinating um, to hear what people do in the morning. None of you care what I do in the morning, but here's my morning routine. I eat a banana with peanut butter every single morning. It is nutritious and delicious. Um, and I wash it down with a cup of the darkest roast coffee I can find. And after I do my morning devotionals, reading the Bible, doing a little prayer, I get on Google News and see what crazy things a politician has said overnight or the previous day. And uh, I love reading. I love reading that news. And so this morning, it wasn't this morning. It was last Monday, um, 9:26. I saw a little headline on my Google News that said. Bloomington Catholics on Trump, and I couldn't help myself but click because I love hearing what people think about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or um, what they think about other people because all those populations usually have very interesting things to say. Um, and the article was really interesting to me. It actually didn't talk about Donald Trump at all until like the very end, but I want to share a little quote from it as we begin uh, this conversation on the gospel and caring for people in need. It actually does relate to my message. So here's this uh, opening paragraph of this article. At a Catholic church in Bloomington, the priest leads Sunday Mass. And I've changed uh, these to general pronouns for the sake of the instant. At a Catholic church in Bloomington, the priest leads Sunday Mass, calling the congregation of hundreds to prayer. God wills the salvation of all, he said, preaching the church's values. In order to go to heaven, Catholics must serve their brothers and sisters, particularly those in the most need, the poor and the oppressed. Everyone knows who Warren Buffett is because he's rich, the priest said to the congregation. But do you know the names of those begging for money downtown? It's the opening paragraph of this article. And so there are a few things I want to say. First of all, I have to say that I think Protestant Christians are often unnecessarily critical of Catholic Christians. That's something that really bothers me because there are many Catholics who are very genuine in their Christian faith, who take the Bible seriously as their authority for truth, their authority for living by faith. They've trusted Christ for salvation, and they're living by faith. And so that's, uh, that's something that I, I feel like we as Christians, we need to affirm our Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and in fairness, the quote I just pulled um, from this article, this is yanked out of context from this priest's message. I don't know the context. I haven't heard his entire sermon, so I'm not going to make any blanket judgments about his theology. Those two things said, that quote that I just read, that salvation is gained through serving people in need, is absolutely unbiblical and ridiculously dangerous. The idea that we can gain salvation by caring for those in need, particularly the poor and oppressed, that is, that's, that is absolutely unbiblical. This was simply not Jesus' teaching about salvation. Jesus taught salvation is by faith. His words in Scripture are absolutely clear on that. Here are some verses you can check out. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. John 3.16, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's a reason that verse is so popular. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. And Christ speaking to his disciples after his resurrection, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, because whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus' teachings were so clear. Salvation is given to those who look to him in faith. It's by faith in God's grace, his provision of Jesus Christ, that we can be made right with him and have eternal life. And so you see uh, on our walls here, Journey with an ECC Missionary. We have this up because this is Missions Month here at ECC. 
You may have been here this Sunday morning. We had a woman from Canada. She's a doctor in Canada, and she is working over in the country of Ghana to build a hospital, to reach out, care for people in need. We choose to focus this month on mission because the gospel changes the way that we as followers of Jesus Christ live. We want to see the good news reach every corner of the earth. And so the first thing that we recognize when we think about missions here at ECC is proclaiming the good news, letting people who don't know that Jesus Christ has come, that we might receive relationship with God, eternal life through faith in Him. That's at the core of who we are. We want to see the good news reach every corner of the globe. And it's not just a nice idea for us to share our faith if we're really passionate about it. It's not just for the passionate few. This is a mission that each and every one of us are given. It's the mission that we are made for. We are created in Christ for good works. That He's prepared in advance for us to do, to share the good news. So we're commanded to do this. God's made a way for sinners. What a message we have to share. We get to participate in God's mission by reaching out to others. And so here at the church, we support people who do this full-time. We support people who do this on campus with crew, uh, with other Christian ministries like Bridges. We do this with people who are all over the world, people in the Philippines, people actually in Pakistan. Bob, our senior pastor, visited them this past year, and he's going over to Turkey this winter to visit with some of our other missionaries. It's so neat, the people that we get to support. We get to hear their stories of how God is working through them in unreached places. But there's another part of our mission here at ECC that we really make an effort to communicate during this missions month because sometimes it can go by the wayside. And that is we want to proclaim that as an implication to the gospel, we as followers of Jesus Christ have a responsibility to mirror God's concern for those who are poor, those who are oppressed, the least of these. It's absolutely a part of our mission and our witness as followers of Jesus Christ to reach out to people who are in need. This is clear from the beginning of Scripture. Here's some more verses for you to check out. God is concerned with the welfare of the poor. He's concerned with the oppressed. And He desires that His people, those whom He has drawn to Himself, reach out and care for them, to reach out with compassion. And so, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their Maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. What God is talking about here is that we can mirror his concern in the way that we live. We're to be a voice for the oppressed. We're to be committed to justice and mercy for those in need. These were essential themes in Christ's teaching. Do you remember the story from the beginning of Jesus' ministry? He was in the temple in Nazareth, his hometown, and he <coughs> pulled out the scroll and read from the words of the prophet Isaiah. He read, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what Jesus is saying is that in my ministry, the kingdom of God is coming to earth. The presence and the power of God is coming to earth, and that involves healing and restoration and justice for the people who are most in need of it. And as we read through the Gospels, we see Jesus, his miracles absolutely showed that kind of power of the kingdom breaking through here to earth. His miracles portrayed that power. His words, they convicted us. They convicted his followers then, and they convict us today as people of faith who trusted him that we are to be concerned about caring for the least of these as well. There's a passage that really portrays this reality in a powerful way, uh, the calling that we received. 
And it's Matthew chapter 25, Jesus speaking with his disciples about the second coming. This is in the week that he, uh, the last week of his life, the night before he was betrayed. Let me read this for you here. You can follow along in Matthew chapter 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the evil fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? You will will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And so this passage, we read this passage, and it's pretty unsettling, isn't it? It's, It's a passage that's hard for us to hear because it almost sounds like Jesus is saying that there's a correlation between our salvation and the way that we care for people in need. Do you think that's what, that's what Jesus is teaching? I don't think that's a right interpretation of this passage. What Jesus was teaching is that those who have trusted him, those who have looked to God's grace, those who have trusted in Christ, those who believed in him, will show evidence of God's grace at work in their lives by caring for the poor and oppressed. And so we see in this passage that there are some people who think they have followed Christ, but they've never really died to self. They've never chosen to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They've lived with themselves as number one, and that will be evidenced in the way that they live their lives. They've never concerned themselves with caring for people in need. But he also says that those who have been saved by grace, those who have trusted him, looked to him, believed in him, and those who are being transformed by his gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us that we receive when we believe, Our lives will reflect that grace, that new life through the Spirit. We'll place God at the center of our lives and we'll value what God values. Our faith will be seen in the way that we live and that will involve caring for people who are in need. So here's a question for you. If you want to know how much you've opened up your heart to the gospel, you can look at your desire to serve others, your desire to be generous, to reach out with compassion to people in need. How are you doing there? How how are you doing when it comes to thinking about your desire to be generous, to care for those who are in need? When we know how generous God has been to us and giving himself to us, our response has to be to turn around and to share that kind of love with others. Do you believe that? Are you living that kind of love out? I need to be honest with you and say, I don't always do a good job of living this truth out. I can get caught up in the busyness of day-to-day life. 
the challenges of my own context, there are times where I can be complacent and forget about those who are in deep need around me. Each and every one of us has to be continually reminded of God's care for people in need and how much He's given us in meeting our spiritual need in Christ. That's the only way for us to be able to care about others. We have to remember how much God has given Himself to us before we're going to have anything to give. Because we can't pull from an empty well. We need to be filled up with God's grace if we're going to have something to give to someone else. And so we talked last week about what it means to live by faith. What does it mean to live as people who rely on God and depend on Him rather than ourselves? If we want to be people who care about the least of these, who care about people in need, the only way for us to do that is to live by faith. We don't have what it takes if it's just me willing myself to care about others and put them first. And so how can we recognize on a daily basis how much we're in need ourselves? We've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to be reminded of the truth. And so we have got to root ourselves in Scripture. We need to be in the Word daily to remember God's heart for people in need. And our call as people who receive God's grace to reach out to them with the same compassion that He has reached out to for us. He's given us so much. We need to pray daily that the Spirit would stir us up to remember how much we've been given. Because only when we remember how much we've been given that we're going to be able to give to others with the same generosity that God has given Himself to us. And so think about that. How can you reach out to people in response to the Gospel? How can you remember how much grace God has given you? How much His Spirit is interceding on your behalf, equipping you every day? How much has He given you? Now how much do you have to give? We reflect God's heart as we share His love by reaching out in response to the Gospel. And here's the thing. We find so much meaning in that when we get, when we get to be a part of God's work. I have to tell you, some of the most powerful moments in my walk of Christian faith have been those moments when I have been serving. Serving as part of the body of Christ. I remember a mission trip when I was a junior in college. My track team went down to New Orleans for mission, uh, to do some mission work in response to Hurricane Katrina. It was absolutely devastating. We tore down some houses that were just covered in mold. We got to assist in building some new homes for people, doing construction. Man, we really bonded together and we got to see God work in some powerful ways in these people's lives as we reached out to care with them, to care for them. And we built some really meaningful relationships with each other as we served together. I think back to our mission trip that we took a few years ago with the team from Connection to Philly uh, in a desperate part of the city. Some of those people, they were moved to tears by knowing that we took our spring break to come and spend time with them in this really desperate place rather than going to like, oh, spring break, you know, we weren't in Cancun. Dominican Republic two years ago, one of the most powerful memories for me in ministry here at ECC. I have to be honest, when we went to that trip, I was at a point in the semester where I was kind of cooked. I was like, man, God, I've got two months to go in this semester, and I'm, I'm wiped out. I hope you give me what I need to get through this trip, because I'm, I'm playing all the cards i got right now. And I came back from that trip so energized for the rest of the semester. I was full of passion because I got to see God work in some powerful ways. He built some really meaningful friendships with some of our students who were there. Awesome experience. And so we get to mirror God's love to other people. And as we do that, we receive so much ourselves. What a gift it is for us to be able to share in God's mission. There are so many ways we can be a part of this. And tonight, 
the last part of this message, I want you to hear from two people from our community here at Connection who have spent some time and effort reaching out to people in need. I think it's so cool to hear how God has given each and every person passion. He's created each and every one of us uniquely to serve Him in a way that makes sense according to who we are. To serve God, you don't have to try and be someone else. He's made you who you are for a reason. He wants to use you. And I want to share now, Jordan, come on up, man. I want to interview you a little bit, interview you a little bit about your involvement with IJM. Yeah, this uh, this stool is just for you. Um, and you can grab that microphone, so I want to ask just a few questions. First of all, Jordan, you are a senior studying environmental science. Yes. And you're a nonprofit management major as well, and you're a leader with crew, and you also work. So you're kind of busy. Um, what is IJM and what made you decide to be involved with their ministry in the midst of everything else you have going on? Uh, IJM stands for International Justice Mission. And uh, so it is a very law-based ministry. They go around the world. Um, it's an international nonprofit based out of Washington, D.C. But they uh, go around the globe and team up with um, teams from different uh, nations and countries. I know they have four operations in India, in different parts of India, but they team up with the uh, local law enforcement there, they team up with the politicians, and they uh, really try to change the justice system so that everyone gets um, you know, the protection they need from uh, you know, crime. They specialize a lot in uh, sex trafficking um, in India, Cambodia, uh, Central America is pretty bad, but um, yeah, that's what IGN does internationally. So what made you personally decide to get involved with them? Um, so two years ago at Cruise Winter Conference in ECC, uh, there's a guy named uh, Ryan Berg came up and spoke about how he went to a brothel in India on a mission trip. He was doing like a service project over there and they went through a brothel. And um, he said the age of the girls in there were between 13 and 17. And like whenever he said that, I have three little sisters who were 13, 15, 17 at the time. So that really hit me hard um, hearing him talk about that. And it wasn't specifically IJM. But then six months later, I was in Chicago visiting some group friends. And one of my friend's dads is a pastor up there. And he told me about IJM. And so. Um, yeah, that really just got the ball rolling. And then four days after I learned about IJM, actually, uh, one of my best friends back from uh, my hometown, Seymour, Indiana, she almost was uh, killed and raped on a highway in Seymour. So it just kind of hit home that God was really wanting me to do something now, even though I felt, I don't know, I was a college kid and couldn't really do much here at IU. But uh, yeah, it just God was really calling me to call to action rather than if I am not doing anything. So what has your involvement with IJM looked like? Yeah, so past few years, um, last year it was difficult like trying to find other students who weren't already heavily involved in something else. But uh, God provided six other people and we ended up starting uh, a college chapter of IJM here at IU. And, uh, what we do mostly is raise awareness about modern day slavery, and um, uh, we're getting to try to raise like funds and support 
to send to IJF to fund their missionaries and uh, you know, their politicians, lawyers, all that, and send them around the world. Um, we do that through film showings. We're tabling, usually at the IMU on campus or uh, Valentine Hall. And, um, what was that national conference you went to? I think people yeah. would find that interesting as well. So back in April, IJM every spring holds the Global Prayer Conference, which is uh, they have people from each uh, operation they have around the world come and actually speak about what God's been doing. And like some of the facts that I heard from there were just super awesome. Like the Lord's definitely moving places. Um, Specifically, I really remember in Guatemala, the uh, lawyer who's stationed there, he saw, in 2015, he saw three uh, people get convicted of uh, sexual assault, and it was the first three convictions in Guatemala's history as a country. So, like, yeah, it's really sad, but at the same time, God's, like, he's, you know, moving through IJM in that way, and it's, uh, yeah, kind of like what Josiah said, like, it really gives you that energy to like just be really passionate and not you know get bogged down because it's a huge issue with our God here. So what do you want students to know about IJM's ministry and if they're feeling like they'd like to get connected with your ministry on campus, how can they do that? Yeah. So uh, IJM at IU they hold or we hold a like a member meeting, just like a general meeting every second Wednesday of every month. So I think not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to have like a member meeting. We're going to show a TED Talk that Gary uh, Hagen, the founder of IJM, showed a TED Talk that is like really, really good, really powerful, speaks a lot. Um, so you do a membership meeting, just like get people together who are like passionate about the same things. Um, you do that every second Wednesday, and then every third Wednesday, we hold, we hold like a film showing or maybe like a shocking event or something like that. Some sort of event to like get people more like hands-on involved sort of thing. But yeah, every second and third Wednesday is when we do. Well, thanks so much for sharing, man. I really appreciate it. Next, I want to invite Lizzie Gentry. Lizzie is a rare local. She was born and raised here in Bloomington. She's a cutter through and through. Um, Lizzie is a member of our Connection Ministry team here at ECC, so her and her husband, husband Nathan, back there hanging out. Um, Lizzie, I'm curious to hear, so for you, what did you see or experience when it came to the foreign oppressed here in Bloomington when you were growing up? Um, yeah, so I'm sure all of you have seen a lot of my um, exposure to the foreign oppressed here in Bloomington is from walking downtown. You see uh, a lot of folks downtown who are begging for food or um, who may not have housing. And then also growing up, I actually went to a different church in Bloomington. I um, grew up going to First United Methodist, which is downtown, kind of in the downtown area. And the Shalom Center always uh, worked out of First United Methodist. So growing up, I would, uh, with my family, my parents, my siblings, help them volunteer there. So that's kind of my initial exposure, uh, specifically Bloomington, to, to the Port of So you work at Cook full-time, but you are on the board of Community Kitchen. You're really involved with their outreach here in the city. I'm curious to hear how you became involved with them, and maybe if people don't know, what does Community Kitchen do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm on the board of directors. I'm actually the president of the board of directors for the Community Kitchen of Monroe County. Um, so our ultimate goal in the Community Kitchen is to eliminate hunger in our community. Um, we do 
that through serving free nutritious meals to anyone who uh, wants to come by. We also do delivery services. Um, and there, it's a no questions asked program. When I first interviewed um, as part of the process, you found part of the board, that was something that stuck out to me the most is it's no questions asked. Anyone can stop by um, who's struggling or, or you know having issues with food insecurity. Um, so, so what was your question? Just to talk a little bit about Yeah, that. I was curious to hear how you became involved with that person as well. Yeah, so about four years ago, um, someone who I worked with, I used to work at IU Health, and someone who I used to work with at IU Health um, had a specific like, life circumstance and had to go off of the board for the board of directors. And he had approached me, um, we had known each other prior, and he had approached me and asked me if I wanted to um, become part of the board of directors. At that point in time, I actually went away to college. I didn't go to IU, um, and then I had come back to town. At that point in time, I really wanted to do something for the community that I've lived in for so long that's different, something that um, you know I, I hadn't been a part of before, and I really wanted to do some nonprofit work. So this was, it kind of fell in my lap. It was kind of a great opportunity. Someone kind of approached me to ask, and, and it was just a great opportunity for me to get involved. So that's how I initially got involved. I said yes, went through some, some questions So with, with work, with uh, taking care of your high-maintenance husband and dog, why did you spend your free time doing volunteer work with Community Kitchen? Absolutely. So um, I, I have some fun facts here. I wrote them down in my, my notebook. A little bit of a nerd here. Um, because I think these are really cool. These come out every year. So these are fun facts about the, the kitchen, um, usually from the past year. These are from 2015. And these are a lot of the reasons why I decided to uh, join the kitchen and give my time back. But before I hear these, I feel like God, my family, my friends, everyone's around me and really supporting me in my life. I feel like I've been really, really blessed and that's not the case for everyone. And so I really wanted um, to find that way, um, especially through food insecurity. I think food insecurity is, is a huge problem in our world and I really wanted to do something locally to help with that. Um, but here are kind of the, the facts. So these are from 2015. Um, in 2015, we served 14% of our patrons were seniors. This is the this is the fact for me. Is the children and seniors? I think it's incredible how many children and seniors that we serve that come to our kitchen or we do outreach through different programs. 14% um, of our patrons have experienced homelessness in the past six months, um, and then we would need more than six additional full-time employees to do what we do without volunteers. So just kind of some some crazy facts um, that what we serve here locally. In the those are just a couple of the reasons why I choose to be involved. How about if students wanted to be involved as a volunteer? How would that happen? Absolutely. So um, throughout the whole year, there's two uh, volunteer shifts. They're Monday through Saturday. Um, and there's a meal prep shift, and then there's a meal serving shift. So the meal prep shift is from 11.30 to 1.30 every day, uh, 1.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. And then the meal serving shift is from 3.30 to 6.30. And so those are just two ways um, that you guys can specifically get involved to help. Um, you could just go online and, and look up the number for the community kitchen. It's 3320999. Um, just call them and put yourself on that list. I'm impressed. Um, you 
yourself on that volunteer list, but like, you know, like I said, the community kitchen couldn't survive um, without volunteers, so it's, it's a really great way to get involved. Um, I think when I first joined, I did the meal serving shift, and it's, it's very eye-opening um, to really serve to patrons in our community, but um, the meal prep shift is equal as important. So those are kind of the main ways to, to get involved. Well, thank you so much.